Before we begin the let's do it again. Before we begin Before <laughs> <laughs> Oh, best start. I have a bit of exciting news that you already know, but I just want to tell greater artifacts here. I can pretend to not know it. it. Oh, you give it a shot. Give us your best surprise reaction, yeah? <gasps> Exactly. It's exactly what we want. Um, literally, just like 15 minutes before we started recording this, uh, my If Earth Had Rings video just crossed 1 million views. Excellent. Which is a milestone that I'm relatively proud of. And I realize other people like deal in the millions of views and, you know, that's their bread and butter. But this is my first one. I was kind of like, had a little bit of a fist pump moment. I was like, yes. So I'll leave a link. First, mi- first video to hit a million. First video to hit a million. So I'll leave a link in in the show notes if people want to go check that one out. Um, Yeah, so I'm just kind of like, I'm going to have, maybe I have a celebratory beer tonight. (laughs) Sounds good. Um, So maybe before we start the show proper, maybe we should make people aware that this is our second attempt at recording this. Okay, yes. Uh, We tried to record this episode last week. Well, we did record this episode last week and we didn't do a very good job of it. Um, it was rather dragged out in places, so we're going to make it leaner and meaner and greener. And green, greener? And spleener. I am going to hold my hand up here and say that's entirely my fault. There was... I it just You did. always say it's entirely your fault. I'm sure I'm partially to blame all of the time. Oh, okay, we'll go 90-10. It was definitely my fault because I did not make myself <laughs> clear. Basically what happened, listeners, is that uh, Bill and I got kind of bogged down in a debate about calendars, which we're kind of going to try and rekindle in a bit. And instead of it being like an engaging debate, it kind of came across as if we both hated each other. (laughs) Because I don't think either of us were making the points very well. So, uh, yeah. So apologies for this episode being like a week or two late. But yeah, we just had to re-record because there's no way I would have wanted that to go live. And I'm, I'm sure it's the same with Bill as well. Um. So yeah, this is our second pop at the cherry. So uh, do you want to do emails mark two? Okay, so we'll just go through this real quickly. Um, The main email here I want to talk about is actually mainly about flags. Well, hey. It's from listener Sarah Clements, who lives in Virginia. Hi, Sarah. Hello, Sarah. And we've got a, a couple of Virginian flags that she's sent in to us to discuss. The first one that we're going to look at is, remember we talked about the Gadsden flag, the, the Gadsden, no I was like first time, Gadsden flag a few episodes ago, the snake flag. The, 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 the don't tread on me flag. Yeah, the, yes, yeah. the don't tread on me flag. Uh, it was before they invented grammar, um, or before they invented punctuation rather. Um... Uh, there's some, there's apparently a trend of making meme versions of the flags, one of which was uh, sent to us, so we can put that in the show notes. Um, but the first proper flag we're going to look at is the flag of Strasbourg, Virginia. Proper in inverted commas. (laughs) The first legitimately actually used in the real world flag, notwithstanding whether it's an atrocity. (laughs) Exactly. Okay, so the flag of Strasbourg, Virginia. Even having looked at this last week, it hasn't gotten any better. It's like like an anti-wine. It still gets worse with age. It's like, it's not good. It wasn't going to be any different. 
I know, but you, you think you'd, <laughs> you'd mellow out to him and be like, actually, no, I was really harsh on it the first time. And you're like, no, no, I wasn't. In fact, I may have actually gone easy on the flag. <laughs> <laughs> so for listeners, this is the flag of Strasbourg, Virginia, which I'm told is, which the flag tells me was founded in 1761, error mm-hmm. number one. Uh, it's on, it's a rectangle. Um, and it's divided into four triangles. The the two side triangles are white, and the top triangles are purple. Bonus points for the purple. I got to give it that. And then there's not, not very often that you see it in flags. This is true. Not very often outside of Takar, hardly any purple. Dominica has some purple in it, I think. Yeah, it has the the purple the purple bird. Purple bird, exactly. Is there another purple one? Very Takarian. I don't know if there's another purple one. I hmm. think that's the only one. I think so. Um, and anyways, in the center of the Strasbourg flag is like a giant seal, but like, unlike the rest of the, like US flags where the seal is kind of like small and centered, this is centered, but blown up really large such that the edges of the seal coincide with the edges of the flag, which just blows my mind. It's like no good. And then inside the seal, we have a standard MS paint sort of job of mountains (laughs) and rivers. And then there's like a, like pretty good MS paint in, in its defense, like, that's that's true. It's someone put some time into this, but it's it's still kind of pixel art like. <laughs> and then we have like this this discorporated ram's head just sitting there hanging in the corner, uh, hanging out beside two vases which like have this blue detail on it, this leaf detail. And then below all of that is another seal, which is like mm-hmm. minuscule and can't be read. So the flag is like an atrocity. Like no, none of the colors match. They're, just, they're not. They're not complimentary. Nothing. It's just. Oh, it's just. It's not good. It's not. It's good. not good. No. And you know, this is a thing actually. Uh, we'll pick up in the second flag. Uh, is like all of these crap U.S. flags. They all seem to have this MS Paint thing to it, which made me think. Right. There. There is. There has to be a point at which that technology occurred. And prior to that, there was obviously flags. So I'm wondering what flags these replace. Because obviously this, this this didn't go back to antiquity. There's no way you have that level of digital art in uh, in the flag of Strasbourg originally. So I want to know what happened to like the old flags. Like, are there old mm. flags? And like, why did someone decide, like, or collectively everyone decided we got to like digitize and then it became MS Paint and it's just well, horrible? Like, this might just be a... A, a digital rendering of the flag design. You know, the way that you, you do with... Um, with... Seals. Yes. Yeah, so with, like, heraldry and stuff. Like, maybe, the, you know, it's not saying that the official design necessarily is the MS Paint job, but it's just, you know, the, the one that's online is obviously going to be a digitized rendering, and it happens to have been done in MS Paint. Do you reckon it happens to do you reckon the analog version would look better? Like this no. exact thing? No. <laughs> I do not. I do not reckon that. <laughs> Just flat up, no. <laughs> yeah. It tells it like it is, Edgar. Yeah, it's not good. And then the RAM is too deep. It's just, yeah, it's just a nightmare. Anyways, this second cool. flag is worse. <laughs> What's the second flag of again? It is the flag of Carroll County, Virginia. Carroll County. Do you want to take this or do you want me to take it again? 
You take it. You take it. I, I think you'll do a good job of it. <laughs> I love these things. Okay, so standard rectangular flag. We have a, uh, there's a mountainscape in it. Um, mm-hmm. So there is the white sky, like pure white, because that's what the sky is. And then the, the mountains, again, MS Paint, but really bad MS Paint. Like someone has made their brush size too big. And it's yeah, like, no, th- this is really awful, this, yeah. this MS Paint. <laughs> like this is like almost bordering on like crap cartoon art. Like this is, this is not yeah. good, not good at all. And then the mountains are like, like this garish Sonic the Hedgehog blue, like completely <laughs> stylized. It's just terrible. And then, obviously, because it's a U.S. state flag, we have a seal in the middle. And this seal is, it, it's its a lot worse than the last one. It's like we have Latin written around the top in an arc, which mm-hmm. uh, now my Latin isn't good. It's like, Z utere tuo et alium non laedus. Leda. Zik. Zik utere. Zik. Oh, is that a C? Yeah, it's a C. Zik utere tuo Ut alienum non laedas. Now, do you remember what that meant? Um, it's it's a legal term. Fun times. Nothing says grey flag design and having legalities scribbled all across it. Well, no, it 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 does make sense in in terms of you know American history and um you know the, the, their kind of attitudes towards things, especially historically speaking. It's something about about use of property. Hold on. Um, use your property so as not to injure that of your neighbours. Excellent. Use your property so as not to injure that of your neighbours. Yeah, no, it's, it's like, it's, it's kind of a, a, a classic, a classic liberal kind of thing that everyone's entitled to, to own their things and everyone's entitled to their rights. And it's just the only limit is their rights can't in, impact on the rights of their neighbours. Okay, well, that's, that's cool and all, but like... Why on the flag? I don't, just because just because you have a nice, like, legal model thing, don't put it on your flag. We don't need to have it on the flag. Anyhow, so we have the Latin going around the top of the seal, and then in the seal we have, like, a kind of a sort of red palatial kind of country manner sort of thing. Would, mm-hmm. that, be, would that be accurate? Yeah. So, I, I guess, yeah. And then that is, like, surrounded by a wreath, and then... On the side of the reed are like two orange-looking angels. I think they're angels. The thing on the right looks weird. It could be. It, it may. It's either an angel or some sort of animal. I don't know. And then out of like the top of the roof, there comes a little pedestal with like two leaves and what looks like a hat with a bird sitting on top of it. And then the and then below that we have Carroll County, Virginia, and a date, all really tiny. And the whole thing, the whole like. Like iconography there is not centered on the seal. And then what makes it doubly worse is the fact that the mountains are kind of odd shaped. So they give the impression that the seal isn't centered on the flag either. So everything just lo- is either is either off center or looks off center. And it just it just infuriates my brain. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. Just like, and you could have such a nice flag, which just you could just do like a stylized blue mountains with white sky, class, perfect, done, in and out, good. But it's like, no, we have to put everything on our flags. Nothing succeeds like excess. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so the those are two flags uh, of Virginia. Thank you to Sarah for sending them in. I'm I'm always always up for. Uh, <laughs> diagnosing and analyzing terrible, terrible flags. Um, and speaking of another terrible flag, 
I made a flag. You did? I did. I made a flag for the podcast, just to rip off other podcasts. <laughs> um, now, is it a flag specifically for the podcast, or is it a flag for the brand? Oh, you're so corporate. Yes, I am. <laughs> the brand. Uh, the, you need to define the difference between the two. Because we're... You know, there's there is also and I know it's it's currently dormant, but there's also the Artifexian podcast or video, YouTube channel. Oh yeah, no, that will get a different flag. That'll get a different flag, okay. Yeah, because the Artifexian YouTube channel is all based on red, whereas this one is red and blues. Okay, interesting. Mm. So is it like Artifexian is a, a nation or a a, a, a nation state? And these are diff- different flags of different organs of state. You know, like you've got, you know, uh, naval jacks, then they're different to the actual national flag sometimes. Oh, so are you saying like the hypothetical Artifexian YouTube channel flag will be like the naval jack sort of thing, and this will be another thing like that? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, like, you know, maybe maybe we're working up to having an actual overall Artifexian flag. Or maybe not. Maybe that's what, maybe it's more interesting that way. Hmm, that's that's intriguing. Hmm. Oh, that might be homework for next week. <laughs> or, <laughs> or next month, even. But uh, I don't know. But in any case, do, uh, shall we describe this flag? Yes. Um, in the center of the flag, there is a 12-pointed star in... It's red, but it's a maybe it's just the surrounding colors that make it seem this way. But it's a slightly orangey red. Yeah, it's not. It's pure not red. like a really bright. It's not like a candy red or a cherry red. It's not pure red. Yeah. Yeah, um, and the background is two different shades of blue. One quite. I suppose that they're they're both navy. I read them both as navy. One's a slightly lighter navy, and one's a slightly darker navy. Um. Now, you've changed this from last week, whereas last week it was um, against a background that was evenly split um, horizontally along the middle of the flag um, into these two fields. Now, it, that that division is slightly curved like a horizon. Yes, exactly. Yep. Mm-hmm. Now, what are your thoughts overall, and then what are your thoughts on the change? Um, so, as I, as I said... Last week, as a, I, I like it. I think it's a very nice design. I think it is very visually striking and, and visually pleasing. Um, and obviously, it's it's those are the colors that we've been using for the podcast. You know, for the YouTube background and and on on the website and stuff. Uh, from a strict vexicological, nope. <laughs> From a strict vexillological point of view. Wait, for, wait, hold on, hold on. From a strict what now? Vexillological. Okay, what's that, what's that again? I can't, I can't, the headphones are not working correctly today. I, just, I can't hear correctly. From a strict vexillological point of view. Look at you crushing your vexillological game. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't speak good. Um, <laughs> from a strict vexillological point of view, um, there is a problem here. In mm. that these two blues are very, very similar. And I get the impression, you know, you're not supposed to use such similar colours together. Uh, because it makes it hard to distinguish from a distance. Um, but, you know, I don't think we're going to be actually flying this flag on medieval battlefields anytime soon. 
Um, so I think we can uh, oh. dispense it a little bit, dispense it with that, with that worry. Um, but I want to fly the flag on medieval battlefields. Well, I'm not going to go with you if you do that because I don't want to either get shot with an arrow or get dysentery. Okay. Um, one man adventure. I'll report one. back how it went. <laughs> <laughs> Update: You got dysentery. <laughs> So I thoroughly agree with the line of criticism about the two blues being similar. And I have pointed out to um, people on the sub before when they've showed me their, their flags that it, that that's not considered good design. Yeah. Um, so I, the only reason I went for it is literally because we're using those colors on the website. Um, so I went symbolism over rule in a way. Yeah. Um, but I'm perfectly, perfectly open to people being like, ah, that's not a good design. Um, the Just to talk through the symbolism... The, which, because I kind of like this sort of stuff, the 12 point of star should be obvious because everything is base 12 in our little world. Mm-hmm. Um, the the horizon sort of thing, that can either be a horizon, so it looks like a planet, or kind of sort of a part of a waveform, as in we're recording at one another. Okay. So it's like a, symbolizes that this is an audio podcast and it's about building planets. And I thought that was kind of neat. Um, and aspect ratio is 16 to 9, which is YouTube's aspect ratio. So that kind of plays into the whole thing that we um, we make YouTube videos as well. So I, I kind of like the symbolism of it. But yes, totally yeah. on board with the fact that from a strict vexillological point of view, the colors shouldn't be that close in tone. Mm. Um, and I myself would criticize my own flag for that. That's fair. But there you go. So I'll throw it in the sub and let, let people see what they, what they think. Um but yeah, so there you go. Is that that's flag corner, or I I think that's done. Yeah, I think that's yeah. it done. Okay, so I have just literally one point to follow up on. I think the most pertinent thing from the last show was the call for people to leave world building podcasts for us. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to put a big list in in the show notes for people to go check out these. Lots of people left some uh, recommendations of big podcasts and small po- podcasts. It was a good variety, so it was really cool. Um. The thing I want to point out, though, and just talk about a little bit, is the fact that they are some of the Redditors making their own world-building podcast, which is, which is just class. And I'm just s- so up for that. And I just really want to encourage anyone who's considering doing their own podcast, world-building or not, to just take the plunge and go and do it. Um, I think an awful lot of creative pod- projects kind of are stillborn in that people just don't take the jump. So... Mm-hmm. Trust from someone who's taken the jump a couple of times, do it. You got an idea to do a thing, go ahead and do it. Leave us like a link or whatever and we'll we'll go check it out and all sort of jazz. And um, one person on the sub, a you slash Dr. Bunny flip-flop, uh, which just the best username, <laughs> has... I would trust that doctor. I, I would too. <laughs> and they have... At the time we recorded the last show, they didn't have the podcast up that they were planning to do. But now they do, which is awesome. And this is called Sales and Silver. And it's the whole idea is it's like a podcast set in a semi-magical age of sale. And Mm -hmm. I'm assuming the the hosts will talk about all the various different world building that goes on in that. And that sounds awesome. Kind of a golden age of pirates, I think, is is the impression uh, I'm getting from what they've said so far. I haven't listened to the first episode yet. It has been it has been released, as Edgar said. 
um, and it's on my list of things to do over the coming week. And we'll put it in the show notes for other people to check out. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that the premise of that sounds really cool. Sounds really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't realize until today that it's been released, so I'll, I'll definitely go and download and uh, and have a listen. And yeah, go check out the other world building podcast, Cross Pollination. Get your world building fix from, from wherever you can. Do it, definitely. And give others their world building fix as well. We've got to we've got to support each other. We've got to enable each other's uh, hobby. Are you calling slash for problem? <laughs> problem <laughs> slash addiction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There are some times where I'm sitting down <clears throat> and working on like or having worked on scripts before. I'm kind of like, what am I doing with my life? Like it's it's really fun, but you're kind of like, man, I'm in my like mid to late twenties, and I'm sitting here trying to figure out whether or not a terrestrial planet kind of rings, and it's like, <laughs> what what's going on here? Like, <laughs> that that's one of the things I love. Like you know, you're always saying how you're into it to, to learn things, and I've definitely had a lot of fun. You know, when you get a stupid idea, and it's like, oh, you know, is this plausible? Can I make this work? And then it's a couple hours later and you've read loads about super volcanoes. Yeah, no, no, no I'm not saying it's a bad thing. Like, obviously... Oh, I'm, I don't think anyone's going to take it as such. Well... most of all people. <laughs> I think people outside the world building thing kind of go like, you do what now? Wait, hang on. But, and and you're also, you're not writing a book or making a game or doing anything. You're just literally... This is just thought experiments? Okay. Would you not just go outside and socialize? And it's like, outside? What is this outside you speak of? <laughs> Um, but yes, it can be quite an addiction. So yes, we should all enable and support each other's addiction is the message <laughs> for this. <laughs> be a community of enablers. <laughs> so that is that that is all uh that's the main thing for follow-up, really. Um and I think I think now we should all brace ourselves for the epic debate part two. <laughs> <laughs> As advertised in the previous show, the main topic is going to be calendars and standard fantasy races. Okay? Mm. So will we tackle the one that went wrong last time? Let's do it. Okay. Let's talk calendars. So here's how I think we should structure this. I'm going to tell you, Bill, and the listeners, how I go about dealing with character uh, calendars. Okay my method for coping with them. And then we'll have your rebuttal and then we'll talk about how how your system is different. And then we should, well, we definitely should talk about how the two systems can meet in the middle because I think they can. Okay. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. So when it comes to calendar billing, my modus operandi is to simplify everything. Uh, I don't like taking a system I've built and looking at year lengths and month lengths and all of that and trying to come up with a calendar that has an outrageous amount of leap days and is really complicated to figure out what's going on. I like to find like tips and tricks for making it really simple. <clears throat> now, the caveat to that is I don't do what a lot of other world builders uh, I've seen on the internet do. I don't just take Earth and simplify it. Like I don't go, oh, I have a 360 day year and there's 12 months and there's 30 days in a month and there's 10, there's three weeks of 10 days. I don't do that because then you just have the exact same planet being like spawned every single time. Yeah. So what I do is I take the stats I've generated from like the various tutorials I've made and then I look at them and find a way to unify them. 
And my main method for unifying them is by varying day length. So I look at the two numbers, the number for the year length and the number for the month length. And I ask myself, what value of the day, a length of day, could divide evenly into the year and into the month such that everything meets in the middle without having to alter any astronomical uh, facts of my universe? Okay. And then from there, I, I kind of decide to bring in kind of controlled chaos. So if I want leap days, I will jig num- jigger numbers such that leap days come into it, but only under my control. Like, so I can say with certainty that like there's one day every 10, days, uh, 10 years as a leap day, and that's it. There's no extra complications and things like that. It's exactly under my control. Or I can go a step further and be like, I'm going to bring in a little bit too much chaos and that leaves it open for a more cultural sort of thing. But I like to start from a point whereby I've brought the system down into easily manageable multiples of each other. Okay. Does that make sense? I follow what you were saying. <laughs> okay, so now do you want to outline your disagreements with this? Well, I, I've, first of all, I've got a question. Oh, go for it. And this I don't think is anything that's ever really been covered in any Artifexian content um Ooh. what actually determines day length or the the rotational period of uh of a planetary body now as far as i'm aware it's just serendipity okay it's like, just a thing it's just it could be whatever it's i think it's dependent on how the lumps of rocks stuck together in the first place and the, all that momentum and all that sort of jazz and then obviously the usual uh, astronomical thing is collisions like, collisions yeah. is literally the answer to everything in astronomy. Like, why is this galaxy the way it is? Collision. Why does a planet spin the way that it does? Collision. Why is Venus upside down? Collision. It, <laughs> it, it, it's always collision. So, you in that, you can literally set any real day length, and it would be, it okay. will be plausible. Okay. Um, that said, though, I just I think this is a pertinent point. A little cool thing that people mightn't be aware of is that there is a constraint on what's considered to be a habitable day length. Oh, of course, yeah, sure. And Stephen Dole, in his Habitable Planets for Man paper uh, from the 60s, so you might want to take this with a pinch of salt, uh, estimates that the day length for humans to live on the planet um, would be anywhere between about two hours and 96 hours, mm-hmm. which to me sounds crazy like two hours seems just bananas like i don't understand how we could function on a planet of, of a with a day that's two hours long but this was a published paper and he's a legit scientist so i'm going to err on the side of trusting him although i really really would be cautious about those numbers yeah and there's a difference between something being biologically plausibly habitable for people and it being something that you don't have to consider when world building. I mean, I, I, I think that if you were setting up a planet that had two-hour days or 42-hour days, and you don't give any thought into what that does to human psychology and how they set up their societies, then your world building would feel a little loose. Yeah, very much so. Like, if you didn't explore the ramifications of a two-hour day, like, that would just be stupid. Like, and if you just assume that the characters continued on as is the way we do, that's just, yeah. yeah. Um, I will, you walked I will... for three days. 
<laughs> exactly. I will say, though, but it, the, the thing I like about my system, and we'll get to the, your flaws uh, with it in a sec, is that it does force you to kind of deal with day lengths that you may not have uh, planned for. Like, in trying to find an even multiple of the year length and the month length, you might end up with a day length that is, like, 32 hours. And then I like that because it kind of makes you think and go, is this plausible? Would it work? Could I deal with that in my writing? What would be the sort of biological implications of that? What does it mean for like nocturnal cycles? All that sort of jazz. As opposed mm -hmm. to what I think a lot of world builders do where they just go, the day is a standard day and a standard day is always defined as 24 hours. Yeah. Now I fully get, now, and also you had a thing last show where you were like messing with the day length is trippy. Um, and I get that. If I really get like, don't go messing yeah. with it without thinking about it. You really have to think about that. Yeah, well, as I said, you know, if it's a two hour or 42 hour and you don't put any thought into it at all, that's going to seem weird to, to me and probably to a lot of other readers. Yeah, um, agreed. Yeah, so, so we're definitely on the page on the same page there. Now, so what are your what are your misgivings with this idea of like trying to make the system perfect in a way? Because why would it be perfect? It, it feels really contrived to me. Uh, well, no, not necessarily, but it just, it, it seems like you could easily come up with something that's really contrived because a calendar isn't a naturally existing thing. A calendar is a human imposition of order upon time. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, to, to deliberately seek something really, really neat where you have, you know, one leap year every, or one leap day every 10 years. Um, I'm sorry I didn't say 12 years, but anyway. Um, Damn it. It just, I mean, why? Well, I mean, I suppose this all came from the fact that, like, I would look at a lot of these orbital periods and be like, I, I don't want to spend the time trying to compute this. Now, I realise you can just dodge. You can kind of say, well, the culture doesn't understand how to how to measure these things or whatever but i like yeah sometimes you generate numbers that are like like seven eight decimals long they're not even multiples of things and trying to figure out a calendar for that is really tricky like it took humans a long time to try and get like the gregorian calendar going and right but you and then if, if you don't um try and but that simplify doesn't mean you can't write fiction set before then when it didn't work i mean like obviously if it's if you're creating a calendar it's it's a, a thing to to do and it's a thing that anyone can do for their setting but you know i just it's not something you necessarily need to get bogged down in to this extent if you do get weird numbers then it's, it's okay because weird numbers could happen in real life yeah, and I think this is one that one of the points that we disagreed on last time is like this is just my method that I go to a lot. Like it's not the method. Like that's mm. that is really important. Like and you you don't even need to you really don't have to deal with calendars at all because again, like you said, you can set a culture like way back, like pre pre scientific age or whatever, and they'll do calendar building an awful lot different than, say, a super advanced one would. So you, you do have options, and I'm totally not saying that you must do the Edgar thing. Um, yeah. But I I think my thing you don't see an awful lot of. Like, I have I did a quick search for this, and I see very, very few people, like, actually no one, recommending this. What I see is either the think about it purely culturally, which is a perfect thing, or simplify Earth. 
And so I was kind of like, huh, I think my little thing is, is interesting in a way if used correctly. What do you mean by think about it purely culturally? So that would be the idea of like, uh, let's take, so there's an early Mesoamerican society or civilization um, yeah. that I don't know what they were called, but they had a 260 day year. Right. And they had that for, we don't really know, but there's a whole load of theories. Like one is that it's just a religious significance to them. The other yeah. is that it's the length of a pregnancy, roughly. Uh, and then some people are kind of like, even they track the motion of Venus, which seems weird to me, like why they would do that before the sun and the moon. But so that is just like they have, as a culture, they have made that decision to kind of ignore like the sun and the moon. Do you know what I mean? So the, yeah. it, that calendar has a cultural significance, significance to them that way. So it's less about measuring the sun and the moon and more about just how your culture would think about organizing things like mm-hmm. in in westeros you could there's i would think there would be a very interesting case in westeros for doing a weird calendar like that based on the seven gods so you could have like seven months of say i don't know 30 days whatever some other thing and just set up like one month per god um and then have that be in no relation related to what the sun and the moon are doing it's just literally the society has been like this is our religious thing and we're going to go for it. So that, that's mm-hmm. what I mean by culture. I don't know if that's ever expressed that correctly, but it's like ignoring the astronomical thing to just do more culture building. Mm-hmm. Make sense? Yes. Cool. Now, the thing as well, right? <clears throat> so you, from the last show, the the, the, the show that never aired, um, you're, I got the impression you're big into like thinking about how people think about calendars as opposed to my mathematics sort of thing. The, yeah. thing. the thing I want to say, though, is I think there's crossover between the two of us. Like, yeah. So, for example, like say if I'm building a solar calendar, so a calendar just tracks the motion of a planet around the sun, I, I will make that a perfect number because that, that's what I like doing. But in doing that, you're kind of... you've you've opened up the idea of being more um, creative when it comes to months because you're not working with the moon anymore. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? So you've, you've made this sort of neat number that you can deal with and in the process generated a perhaps cool day length. And then you have to think like, okay, how are my people going to divide up months? Are they going to do it on religious reasons because you know they have seven gods or will they just divide it into four because of four seasons? And then you begin to bring in culture building that way. So I suppose the point I want to make is that my system is not like an absolute, all numbers must be perfect. It's just make it perfect enough that you can manage, which is important to me because I, it just drives me daft when I can't control numbers. But I think you can like pretty much manage even it with, with numbers that don't fully match up and have, have weird intervals because, you know, once you, un- unless you, you actually need to know how much the seasons are going to drift over a couple of hundred years, then it doesn't really matter. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, obviously. Unless for the purpose of your story, you actually need to know that, then... Yeah, I mean, like... Yeah, no, that that is true. And maybe if one could talk, like considers calendar building in this way, maybe it'll be an inspiration to write something, do you know? Mm-hmm. Like, maybe you're running the numbers and you're like, oh, what happens if I put a leap year in every hundred years? And then you might be like, oh, this is like a big event. Maybe someone born in a special year 
will have some sort of like, you know, he's the seventh son of the seventh son sort of crack. And then that could spawn story ideas if you think about it like that. Um, mm. So I, I, I realize my system is very number based, but I do think as well that it does leave it open to culture building. Like another, sure. another thing I do very frequently is that if I, after having done all the tidy numbers, end up with like a very uneven month, like say it has, I don't know, 23 days, like not evenly divisible by four, not evenly divisible by anything really. Um, then I start thinking like, okay, how do I break that up? Do I need to break it up like in quarters? Do I need to break it up in even segments? Maybe I could do an asymmetric breakup and things like that. So it's like, just because I'm aiming to get the numbers perfect doesn't mean the result is always perfect. And mm. then when the imperfections creep in, then it's culture's time to step in. Yeah. And also, of course, bear in mind that not everything has to match up entirely. Like we've, our culture has seven days in a week and that doesn't divide evenly into nearly any month or yep. into the length of the year. Yeah, exactly. The seven day week thing is, is weird. Our months in the Gregorian calendar as a general thing are just weird. They're like vaguely month-like, but they're not really months. Like they, they kind of, on the face of it, seem like they're lunar months because they're sort of kind of the length of a lo- uh, orbital period, but they're just, they have no relation to it anymore. It's just yeah. a bizarre little thing. Um, I suppose the, the thing that we really disagreed on last week, and we're kind of a bit hesitant to bring it up, but I think we should, uh, is I go a little step further in that once I have made my system and I've created this calendar, everything divides evenly, regardless of the day length I've come up with, like say, for example, it's just just for argument's sake, say it's 100 hours. That's crazy, but let's say it's 100 hours. I will then always, as a rule, divide that into 24 hours and redefine what an hour is. The reason for doing this, I in my mind, is that a reader or a person playing your game or whatever, they're not going to want to spend the mental energy to constantly have to keep track of like, wait, we're in the 98 hour of the like 403rd day. They're not going to want to do that. So what I try and do is I try and hide all of that stuff away in my calculations and then deliver it to the reader in a sort of package that's familiar to them. And then if they care to find out more about my world in like, say, extra publications or whatever... I can elucidate in those calculations and then they can be like, oh, that's really interesting. This whole time an hour has actually been a lot longer than I thought and that means all the rest. And I really like that idea, but Bill really doesn't. <laughs> and I know this sounds strange because I was I was saying a, a while ago about like, you know, using inches and feet but having them mean slightly different things. But I think for for this purpose, first of all, I think you're you're... You're solving a problem that doesn't exist. That's intriguing. Because I don't think people are actually going to be keeping track, oh, it's the 96th hour of the 43rd day or whatever. I mean, I don't, I don't think it's really that relevant. Um, and also, having an hour actually mean what we understand to be four hours is very, very different than having a foot be somewhere between a fifth and a sixth of a person's height. I mean, there's such a difference in scale there that it's a, it, it, it just feels weird and, and off-putting to me that you, you would change the meaning of, of a word so massively. It's, it's not about like, 
you know, an inch is 8% different than what it is here. It's actually 400% of what it is here. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think it it goes back to what we said before, is that you, if you're going to do this, you really need to think about it. Um, and, you know, if you're writing stuff like, oh, it took two hours to do, like, you really need to think about, and in terms of hours being defined differently, you really need to think about, like, what the implications of that are. Like, don't just, in your head, continuously assume two hours. Like, I, I 100% get that, but actually, I think, it's funny because I think, that's a problem that doesn't exist. I, I think if you were reading a book and you're like, oh, it took 10 hours to travel to the next country. I don't think people actually care if that is in fact like 20 earth hours and not 10 earth hours. I think that that wouldn't snap them out from the story. And like, again, I think in further publications, it would snap them out of the story, like seeing all the background detail. But that would be after the story's done and if they care to investigate more. Yeah, but it doesn't. It's not about snapping it out of the story for me. It just it's. I mean, it just it's, it means something different. Like it just it's it means something fundamentally very very different. And also, the use of twenty four just seems really arbitrary. Like there, and it's it's literally catering to Earth readers, assuming, yeah. and I'm making the assumption that this is a thing that people would care about. Like I fully get your point that maybe people don't, and they're perfectly okay with constantly hearing characters say like oh it's the 96th hour or whatever that's that's literally just me going like how can i hide as much of my calculations yeah. away and again this is totally an edgar thing and it like i could be completely daft here like i fully get all your points and i get the fact that you you have trepidation about it um for me it just sits it just sits really well it's just kind of like you did all these things you generated this cool locale and then you hit it and for when I think about a story that I'll never write, I'm kind of like, well, I don't think that will actually have any effect on it. People will just read it as is. Mm. Um, but then again, like again, this is why we do this on the podcast. We get to talk to listeners afterwards. So maybe, maybe the entire artifacts here be like, Edgar, Edgar, come on, we need to, we need to stop drinking from the uh, the whiskey jar before podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know, like if it was like. You know, it was a 22-hour day, and you call the 24 hours, it, w- it wouldn't... Like, a 22 Earth hours, and it was locally divided in 24. That wouldn't put me off that much. But when it's, you know, dealing with, like, the 2 or 42 hours that we, we set as the limits of Howdable, then it, yeah, it, it seems weird to me. I, I will say as well, though, I kind of naturally... Uh, I'm inclined when I do these calculations to try and see how close I can actually get it to 24 hours. Right. Like a lot of the calc- I've I've been running calculations on a of system that has a two hundred and seventy something um, Earth Day year and a mm-hmm. thirty three something Earth Day month. And in most of the calculations, I've come up with days that are about twenty two. Um, one was twenty seven Earth hours long. So so, so where are you getting the thirty three figure from? Are you just dividing the twenty seven point? 270 whatever by 12 no no i'm literally just pulling numbers from old artifacts and videos just being like okay i made a star here i made a moon there let's put them together and let's see how i can look at this oh sorry the month is a, is a lunar month the lunar exactly. month exactly okay, i get yeah. you I get and you. The, the number i'm generating to try and unify those two disparate things i try and see is there a common multiple of those things that's right. close to the 24 like i'm i'm with you there like i'm not aiming to do 96 hour days like if it has to be 96 hour days fine if that's the number that's generated that's totally mm. fine and i'm forced to engage with that critically but i am 
being conscious as trying to get as close as possible. Like, ideally, it would be great if 24 divided evenly into it, but it rarely does. So I, t- I fully get your point. Yeah, at the extreme yeah. ends of the spectrum, at the extreme ends of the spectrum, I totally get that mm. um, that it can be very jarring. Like, yeah, taking a two-hour day and dividing into 24 is bizarre. I'm fully yeah. with you there. But I think there's a good range in the middle there where I don't think it is. Like, say, I don't know, 16 to 35 whatever those yeah. two numbers i think it's it's manageable there and then this is what we, we we talk about like making sure you think about what you're doing you know if you don't think about it, you just got like two hours 20 convert into 24 done go home don't think about it any further you know what i mean yeah and I, I see what you mean i just feel i guess for me it'd be like uh you know i wouldn't care whether 24 did divide in evenly or not for me it would be putting the cart before the horse yeah again you you like to get down to the the, the cultural stuff Speaking of yeah, which, do you want to segue into culture? <laughs> <laughs> sure, let's do that. Okay, so do you want to bring up, uh, you had some cool calendars uh, to make people aware of last time. Do you want to bring them up? Yeah, well, um, the, the primary thing was a, a video which, uh, which I sent you and you watched before we recorded last week um, about medieval European calendars. Mm-hmm. And um, while it's broadly familiar to us it's 12 months and they're named as we understand them and they go in the order we understand them they count them really differently internally the the, inter- the internal counting is really different like you um i can't recall exactly we'll put the link in the show notes but you you count backwards from 15 for the first half and then differently again for the second half of the month and there, it's as well as being devo- having the, the weekly cycle running alongside that, which doesn't interact with it much at all, um, you have specific days. You've got the the Ides and the Nunnens and the first day of the month, which I can't remember what it's called, and their significant kind of feast days derived from uh, Roman times. And it's just... It's just, it, like, things, things can be weird. And... Don't be afraid to have that. Don't you know? Don't sterilize it, and, and by making everything just starting at one and counting to thirty, and then doing it again um, all the time, because people are weirder, and no one's really historic. Well, obviously people did, but it's not the historical norm for people to sit down and come up with a perfectly functioning system and have everyone use that. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, when you're doing that, you're, you're to battle against whatever system people are already using, however people are already counting. Um, that's why no one uses the French Revolutionary Calendar, because they tried it for a while, and no one actually wanted to use it. They were battling against 1,700 years of using a Christian Roman calendar. Wait, it's, uh, the French Revolutionary one is not a metric calendar, it's like based on 10. I cannot remember, but what I can do is Google. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. I'm going to call it. I'm not Googling here. I think they had a 10-day week. I think it was part of their whole, like, let's metric everything. And, yeah, it just didn't catch on. Yeah. Um, I know it's, like, you'll, you'll see references to it in in works. Like, um, there's the, oh, there's a work by Marx, the 18th Brumaire of Napoleon or something like that. Let me just. Double check this. The 18th Brumaire of Louis Napoleon, yeah. Um, which is a book by Karl Marx, yes. And because the, the that was the day that Napoleon took over the, 
the government became the first consul of France, and they were using the, the calendar. So, and the day it happened was the 18th of Brumaire. So that's how, what it's remembered as, as opposed to the 9th of November. Oh. Um, but it's like it didn't catch on as an ongoing thing. Uh, but yeah, let's look at this. Uh, decimal time. Each day in the Republican mm-hmm. calendar was divided into 10 hours, each hour into 100 decimal minutes. Jesus, that's awful. Um, Wait, hang on. Why each, is that awful? Hold on. Why is that awful? Because you'd have to re-remember everything. You would. Like, it's, it's an awful change to make. Like, people would be like, I'll be there in a minute, and a minute is actually, like, two and a half times longer than you remember. Or whatever. That's, yeah. <laughs> it's oddly like the conversation we just had. Yeah. <laughs> uh, let me see. 24 by 60 divided by 10 divided by 100. Actually, sorry, it's one one 1.44 times longer. Um, like, I totally uh, get why they were trying to do that. But yes, the yeah. change is horrific. Um, and each decimal went into de- 100 decimal seconds. And then there were 12 months of 30 days each. How do they account for the extra five? Um, I don't know. Uh, the calendar begins on the autumnal equinox. Um, so it was based on it was based on the spring or based on the seasons. Um, it doesn't say here exactly how they dealt with the extra days. Okay, so I'm going to jump in here. Okay. Yeah. So actually, so many points I've taken down uh, over the course of you talking there. The uh, this reminds me of the, the a Roman calendar. Okay. That I can't remember where it was from and what time period, but there was a time when they kind of had a year of X length, and it didn't match up uh, exactly with the astronomical year. And yeah. instead of trying to account for it, they just didn't have time for a bit in the year. Like in the winter, they would just let time go on unaccounted for until someone seen like, say, the vernal equinox or whatever. And then it was like, yeah, ah, let's start counting again. So the five days or whatever, there has been precedent in history where it's just kind of like they are dayless yeah. days, a dayless period of X amount of time before we see a thing happen. And then we all count again. Sure. Or you could just like let, you know, not that you would have to stop counting. It was just the last month would be of whatever length until you get to the start of when you start counting again. Or you could have them be, oh, there's a word for this, intercalary, I think it is. Intercalary, I can't remember. But not have them be part of the month. Like, this is nominally different, but like, have your 30-day months and then just have a small five-day period that is separate. Like, could be yeah. a feasting day or whatever, but it doesn't fact, you don't have 11 months of 30 days and then 12 months, and then a 12th month of 35, if you want to keep things even. Sure. And, and if you also don't want to redisperse them out through the year, kind of like we do. Um, so that's that. The second thing you were to, this is going back to the medieval calendar. The, the idea of weird counting, this is a thing that bothers me sometimes, right? Right. Calendar builders, they always make it counting up. Why does it always have to count up? Like As in years. you go from one up to. Yeah. You, we always go up. Like, why don't we ever go down? Like, that's a thing that I don't think explored very often. It's kind of like, like a T minus x years like imagine you have a situation where you know that there's a big alien invasion happening in a thousand years or whatever because you've seen them from way off in space coming at you or whatever um you could have a system where people have a countdown calendar which i think is interesting yeah like i mean don't... there's there's logistical and in, like 
informational barriers to that happening in a lot of situations, but it would be an interesting one to play with. Yeah, like, but I suppose more to the point that you don't necessarily well, hold have to on, go they like, did do that. BC. Yeah. <laughs> Bill, that's... That's okay, right? Okay, right. Okay, we did up and down. What I'm saying, is, <laughs> what I'm saying is strictly down. Like there, there is no down and up. Just one direction. <laughs> um. Also, the yeah. So that was one thing that that you made me think of. And the other thing is just a clarification on the medieval calendar. Um, because I I don't kill me for this, but I don't think you explained it very well. <laughs> the uh, there is these three dates. And what Bill means by kind of this weird counting system is that they will count backwards and forwards from these dates. So instead of being like, say, the 5th of May or whatever, it would be like two days before the Ides of March or mm. whatever, you know? So it's kind of like they use these as markers and you're always gauging off that, which I think is super, super interesting. And I said this before earlier, but just to reiterate, whenever I get a month that is not like a prime number, say, for example, I love doing this sort of thing. Like, as in having, like, the first period is five days, and the next period is, like, I don't know, ten days, and the next one is three, and then it's really weirdly broken up, um, which I think is super interesting to, like, do and engage with. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so the medieval calendar. I have an interesting calendar. Yeah? The Darien calendar, which I'm probably butchering the pronunciation of, but there you go. And it's the calendar for Mars, and... Those world builders who are into this, like, really wanting to figure out how to do, like, an accurate calendar, this is the calendar to study. Because it's literally people going, I wonder what sort of calendar humans would use if we're on Mars. And they've done the whole, like, trying to calculate exactly how the leap days will work and all that sort of jazz. And it's really interesting. And one of the coolest things about it is that the moons of Mars, boat moons, they zip around the planet too fast for them to have any sort of meaning. Mm-hmm in terms of having a lunar month. So the people who made this calendar were just like, well, we're human beings, we're used to 12, let's just put 12 months on it. And it turns out to be X number of days. So it's this really neat idea of like people coming from one planet will take their preconceived notions of how time should be. And if it suits, put it on another planet, which I think is really fascinating, like super fascinating. Um, And 12 is a good number because it's divided by four. So you have like summer is three months. Winter is three months. It's very, very good. Um, there's that, that brings two things to mind. Mm-hmm. Go for it. Point number um, two. I've got to stop making the joke. I always make that joke. It's just, oh. <laughs> oh. It's like the fourth time on the podcast. It's awful. <laughs> the So I've mentioned a few times the Kim Stanley Robinson Mars trilogy. Mm-hmm. And the, the way they, they do with that, because that's obviously set on Mars as well, um, mostly. And the way they do it is, or at least at the start, they use the months of Earth twice over because the year is about twice as long as an Earth year Mm -hmm. and it's what they're familiar with. So they just, you know, have September, October, November, December, then 2nd January, 2nd February and so on. Mm -hmm. Um, And that works for a while for them and eventually begins to drift out of sync with, uh, with the Earth calendar, and it's got you know they've got very little to do with each other, um, and of course the other thing is that the Martian day is I think thirty seven minutes longer than the yeah. Earth day. It's really close, which is class. Yeah, it's very very close, 
and what they do for that, and this is kind of going back to what we were saying about uh, um, differing the lengths of days, uh, because they're coming from Earth and they have like all this infrastructure and all this like, you know, cultural association and everything based on seconds and hours and stuff. They count 24 hours in a day and then at midnight they stop counting for 37 minutes. And this is kind of like the Roman thing I was saying as well. Kind of like the Roman thing about the year. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's pretty good. (laughs) Um, And, you know, that develops into a cultural thing. Like they, you know, it's the the best time to party and, you know, it's it's kind of like a secret time in the middle of the night. They they all go out in the streets and loot and pillage just for that 37 minute period. And then everyone's (laughs) normal. Yeah, every night there's a 37 minute purge. (laughs) Good <laughs> oh God, that would be like that would be a hundred times more horrific than trying to change over to decimal time. <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the brief tangent, like really brief tangent. What do you think of the proposed flag for Mars that is based off the uh, Kim Stanley Robinson books? Like, it's I'm going to get the color ordering wrong here, but it's like red, green, blue after the various books. I think that is the correct order. Is it? Oh, they're pure luck. Literally, they were ones that came in my head. Oh, that's, that's obvious because red before it's happened, green is you're making it happen, and blue when all the water arrives. Makes sense. But what, what do you think of that flag? Tricolor laid out in the regular tricolor thing, red, green, blue. I don't think it would look very nice. Yeah, people love it. I think it looks garish. Like, I, I, the symbolism is great, but geez, it looks rubbish. Yeah. Not a fan of that. Like, really, people need to... I think people have done redesigns for it because that's not good. I think, like, official bodies, like, use it to become, like, the sort of official, unofficial flag of Mars. Um, and it's kind of like, ooh, I don't like it. Yeah, Should adopt the like artifact scene flag. But then we wouldn't be able to use it. Yeah, we can. We're, <laughs> we're the originators of the flag. We will license it to them. <laughs> I don't think that's how flags work. <laughs> um... But yeah, so, and then uh, when you're saying about doubling of the months, mm-hmm. this, this happens in the Jewish calendar for anyone who doesn't follow the Jewish calendar. Um, they have a lunar solar calendar, a lunar solar calendar, which is, um, it's a calendar that seeks to accurately track both the year and the month. Right. It's like best of both worlds because you kind of have three types of calendars. You have like the solar calendar, which the Gregorian calendar is. A lunar calendar, which is like the Islamic calendar, just follows the moon. And then mm. lunar solar calendars that do both. Um, well, And it's clearly the vastly superior calendar. And it blows my mind that we don't use it here in the West. But there you go. It's a conversation for another day. Um, the Because they're trying to do this, they have to... And because months don't divide evenly equal uh, into the year, they have to have leap months, like entire leap months. And so it's not unusual for them to have like December 1 and December 2. And that's a perfectly normal cultural thing, which is crazy to me like it as as a sort of like engaging with it because we don't have that um but it's perfectly normal and they have this beautiful like 19 year cycle where like every two to three years there's a leap month and it's all it's called the metonic cycle and it's all like really well calculated and it's like like real genius sort of stuff working working out um so that's another example of having like just doubling the months yeah that makes sense that makes sense i can see how that happens um I don't think any calendar system is particularly better than any other, though. Well, I mean, okay, at the risk of starting another long debate, if a calendar seeks to accurately track two things opposed to one thing, that's surely better. Because, I mean, the solar calendar is no. really good. Did you say no? Yeah. <laughs> Why no? 
because we're all going to die anyway. Like, it doesn't make a difference. Like, the things are going to happen when they happen, and it's not going to be that hard to figure out when they're going to happen. I have a rebuttal to that. What's that? So, a solar calendar tracks the position of the planet around the the star, which makes it really good at, like, dating things. And, like, a lunar calendar makes it really good at predicting when tides are going to be. And, like, if you try and combine both into, like, a loony solar calendar, you get the prediction of dates and the prediction of tides. You don't have to run multiple calendars. Like, that just makes more sense. But our calendar is a loony solar calendar, and it doesn't tell us when tides are going to be. No, no, our calendar isn't a loony solar calendar. Our calendar is a solar calendar. It just so happens to have these oddly month-like months. Oh, sorry, yeah, yeah, I get you, I get you. That aren't actually months. But no, a proper loony solar calendar because of how Earth's setup is, is going to involve leap months. That's kind of almost like how, how I know them. Like the Chinese calendar is leap months, loony solar. Yeah. The Hebrew calendar, or the Jewish calendar, whatever, is um, it, the same thing, has leap months, and that's why. So, that, I, so I do think that if, if a calendar is able to track more things, you're able to determine more things. And you won't, won't need a special calendar for like, I don't know, people who work out in sea for tides. You can just all have the one calendar. Mm, doesn't move me. Okay, okay. But you don't get moved by an awful lot. Just that one bit of music, that one time you got moved. When was that one, the one bit of music? We talked about this before. You were like, I don't usually get moved, but I was moved by this. What was it? Primordial. Was it primordial? Oh yeah, you, you felt manly. <laughs> no, it, I, I remember that, that was very funny. It wasn't that I felt manly, it, it just made me feel manly emotions. It made you feel manly more. That's, that's, yeah, that was what you said. Um, so calendars don't move you, but primordial does. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so do you have anything else to add on calendars? Uh, I don't, but um, maybe for a, a future episode, I will uh, do a calendar for Handwavia. Some of the information is already out there in the original episode, if you go back and find it, uh, the PDF of the system and yes, all its, yes. everything in relation to Earth is is already there. I think if we're going to do calendars too, which might be a good thing to do, we mm-hmm. should maybe dedicate some time to talking about calendars around um, like moons or uh, like uh, binary stars and all that sort of jazz, like do a non-Earth-like setup sort of thing, because that's sure. a whole discussion in itself, so... If there's interest, we might do that. Yeah. One of the topics we chose was obviously standard fantasy races, and I decided to explore this by writing a little spin on one of the races that's kind of the the standard, um, part of the standard repertoire of fantasy. Um, So you've read this, Edgar? I have. And uh, do you want to tell me what it was you thought, or... Now, before we do that, okay. can I ask you a question? Yeah. Just in general, what are your thoughts on the standard fantasy races? Like, what's your feelings towards elves, orcs? Are you, like, sick of them? Or are you kind of like, no, they're good, they serve a role, it's all gravy? It depends on the medium. Um, I recognize their usefulness in games, particularly, that... It's something kind of familiar and it allows you to to get stuff out of the way and focus on gameplay. And, you know, they're useful in the sense that there's a, an under, there's a commonly understood 
scheme for what they're going to be. And then you can play around with that to, to do interesting things. Um, but for the most part, I'm not particularly interested in like reading anything, any, any fiction um, that has elves and dwarves and hobbits and things. It's just, I, mean, I think it's kind of played. Unless it was, you know, set in a gaming world, you know, a Forgotten Realms novel or something, or Pathfinder. Um, I might I might give those a shot, but original works and original worlds with elves and dwarves and things hold no particular interest to me. Do you think there's enough of writers doing their own races, or do you think too many people like hop on the standard fantasy race bandwagon i don't know i maybe i don't read enough fantasy to really be sure um it's very easy for i think i suppose part of the problem here is comparisons are going to be inevitable if you have an evil race in a in a series then they're going to be seen as the orcs Mm -hmm. and that comparison is always going to be there if you have um mysterious or mystical or elder race they're going to be compared to elves um and that makes things a little difficult in a way and that's something that i have a bit of a problem with in some of my settings and some of the ideas i have is that well here's a here's a cool idea that i want to play with but people are just going to assume that i've just given elves a different name and I right. don't want to do that. Right. That that's so. Even if you do try and step away from the mold, it's so ingrained that people will just be like, "Oh yeah, they're your yeah. elves." Yeah. 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 Exactly. It can be hard. Agree. Can be hard to do. Fully agree. Um, we'll probably get into mining other mythologies in in a bit, but I think that might be mm-hmm. a, a fruitful way of going about trying to subvert um some of the standard fantasy races. I agree with you fully. I think that yeah, in gaming environments. When you just want to get on with the gaming and you just need to know, like, you know, the elves are going to be really dexterous and the dwarfs are going to have good strength saves and things like that. Um, that's fine. But yeah, in literature, you kind of want more because you're invested more time in mm-hmm. the book. You know, you can spend yeah. the, the time learning and getting to know, getting to know the different races. So anyhow, going into your work here, mm-hmm. Bill has uh, written a bit of prose here and it's entitled The Aru K. Mm-hmm. And when I read this the first time last week, I was like, I don't understand why this is falling under standard fantasy races. Because what I thought happened is that Bill created his own unique race. Um, Mm -hmm. Because one of the descriptions of this race is that they have tusks. Now, in my mind, when I say, when someone says the word tusks, I'm half thinking like, you know, the mammoths from like Lord of the Rings. Like, Mm -hmm. those are tusks. So I was like, this humanoid, because they're humanoids, uh... Um, the Arrowcare humanoid characters. Um, I was thinking humanoids with big, massive, like, elephant tusks. And I was like, oh, elephant people, okay. And then it was only after a lot of confusion when we both established that, in fact, they're orcs because for reasons that are so blatantly obvious. Uh, so I totally missed all of that. So what Bill has done has written a story about orcs. And I, I sure wish I'd asked. I'd made the point that. Um, oh no! To, to ask listeners and to go and check, the, read it for themselves before continuing with the podcast to see what their thoughts were. But oh well. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's okay. We can put it in the in the uh, the early release stuff. <laughs> but oh uh, yeah, yeah, of course. People, yeah, we'll be putting it. We'll be put, putting up the teaser, so a lot of people will have read this set earlier. That's fine. And I promise to not say anything about orcs or elephant people in the comments. 
so the you see and as well right i think upon reflecting upon this i don't think this is you doing a twist on standard fantasy races because that's what, how you've you've talked about before i think this is you kind of like seeking to understand standard fantasy races in a way does that what make any sense as in this is so what Bill has done is he's wrote wrote about a race of orcs, and I, I, the impression I get is that he's tried to justify how a lot of their character traits would work. Like how can a race that is just constantly dedicated to war actually function in real life? And he's come up with a load of scenarios around that. So that's not a twist per se. This is you basically just trying to make logic out of it. That's the impression I get. Am I totally wrong? Hmm. I guess not, no. I mean, but that doesn't seem particularly different to me. It's like, I've taken the concept of orcs and I'm exploring that. Well, I mean, different would be like, I've I've taken the concept of orcs and what I've done is I've given them wings and they live in cloud cities. Like, then you're kind of like, oh, wait, hang on, we're in a totally different thing here. Whereas this yeah, but is then like... It's not, then it's so different that it isn't orcs anymore. And this is kind of the problem I'm alluding to earlier. <laughs> yeah, exactly, no, exactly, exactly. Um, so do you want to TLDR a bit of your writing? Uh, sure. So um, I've created your standard uh, evil race, or you know, of course, me being me, it's evil from the point of view of the writer of this document. Um, uh, the Aruke are uh, can be anywhere between four and ten feet tall. Um, although some reports say that they're up to twelve feet, they're roughly humanoid. Uh, although they do have tusks and their faces is where they differ most from people. Um, they are much, much stronger than humans. So yeah, that's all like the bestial stuff and the martial prowess and yep. ferocity, etc. Um, they're capable of interbreeding with humans. Uh, so, you know, you've got half-orcs and such in in a lot of literature, a lot of works. Mm-hmm. Um, now, this, this is one of the things I think that I, I added, which is quite interesting, is that... They, when they interbreed with humans, um, they that behaves in a in a peculiar way. Is that sometimes the offspring may appear to be totally human, and that bloodline will may remain totally human for generations, and maybe three generations down the line there'll be um, a child born that is uh, appears to be an Aracus. Um, so it's like I don't know exactly what what the how to express that, but it's. Um, you know, this makes them a, a terrifying enemy. If you consider this race to be a taint, then, you know, maybe if you're living near a near a, an Arrakis area, maybe there's, you know, someone near you is going to have an Arrakis child. And it makes the, the taint hard to eradicate, really. It makes them a very fierce enemy that they can re- return long after you think they've gone. Um, and it's kind of psychological as well, you know, the, the kind of the horror of carrying a monstrous child that is is used in a lot of a lot of horror texts. So how does do do non orc people deal with this? Like if an Arucus Arucus if an Arucus um child were born, like is is this do, do do people in your world think fondly of them? No, no, not at all. Like that's from that's... the point of view of this writer, at least. No. <laughs> okay, so that means from the if this they're, writer... they're an orc analog, so yeah. Okay, right. So that means I'm assuming then, like, when uh, half orc babies happen, that they'll just be like exterminated and stuff. Like, are we going really grim here? Yeah, sure. They kill. They kill the baby, but that doesn't solve the problem. But they'll still do that, though, will they? 
Oh yeah, they will. Presumably, they would kill the baby, but that doesn't solve the problem. No, it's still there. It's still yeah. there. Does it come from the father's side? Does it come from the mother's side? How far back does it go? And is it limited? maybe if if an Arrakis child is born, you know, the entire family will be killed? Oh, because they don't know where it's coming from. They don't know how far back it goes. Goes. They don't know how far it reaches. An entire lineage of people gone. Yeah. Because they have shown that their blood is tainted. That's I didn't I didn't actually fully get the like how deep that goes the first time. I was like, oh that's that's grim. I like that. Isn't it? That's really good. <laughs> the and is I, it is it limited to the like three generations thing? Is that like tops or it can go back like literally it can go back so many generations? Um I don't know. It's not necessarily known in world. Um, this this writer who appears to be a naturalist or, or something of some sort uh, says that it may infect human bloodlines for at least three generations so at least, three okay, is yeah. definitely possible it could be more hmm. that's a little bit terrifying yeah <laughs> and what made you just come up with this like literally just the idea of like creating this like feared race like literally like playing on the idea of like orcs are feared here's a new way of fearing them yeah and to make them more difficult to be eradicated because yeah you could launch a genocidal war against them but that might not stop it hmm. you know we first of all you'd have to have the war be utterly successful and even then Ar- Aruke could still be born Jesus genocide doesn't work that's <sighs> that's <Yeah>. intense <laughs> yeah um, so uh, what else have you done with the orcs again for those not wanting to read or can't read for whatever reason um uh, so what do I said here? It's believed that Arakane humans share a common primordial ancestor, uh, just, you know, to justify that, that happening. As I said, they, they're, they have a huge range of, um, variation in size and, and, and presentation. Um, I was actually kind of inspired by dogs there because, you know, the idea that a, a chihuahua and, uh, Irish wolfhound can be the same species is hilarious to me. <laughs> um, so you could have like, and, and that's that you know that makes sense from a, a point of view of wanting to have different kinds of opponents in a story or in a game or whatever um you could have little four foot ones that are goblins or you could have giant mm-hmm. urukai or you could have even bigger trolls at 10 feet tall or whatever what what, um, what do these orcs look like are we talking same like kind of like dark or green skinned humanoids you know, I actually haven't specified that. Maybe I'll have to add that before I um, go live with this. Because, um, I, mean, I mean, that's a thing that um, I'm sure the writer would comment on. Like, that would be in his description. Yes, it, obviously. I can't believe I overlooked that. <laughs> um, what are you leaning towards? Have you got any initial I guess thoughts? I would just lean, lean towards towards green if I had to specify. Okay. Um, you're going to justify how green skin comes into existence? Or are you just going to be like, it's green because standard fantasy raises? No, I'm not going to justify that. Hmm. Interesting. <laughs> Anyhow, because go on. that's a, like why would why like if you were reading about leopards, like on a casual basis, they wouldn't necessarily go really in depth into why they have spots or like why the spots are specifically the colors they are. But it's yeah, just, that's that's a thing. I mean, but you did. You did justify how the generational thing happens by saying they have a common ancestor. Sure. So maybe maybe, like, maybe the, the writer of this piece can 
have a thing where he's I don't know maybe maybe he has like a corpse of the orc maybe he's like a physician or something and he's like his medical notes are kind of like oh it turns out that these people after having examined like this specimen blah 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 possibly like yeah it's it's I'd not something that's totally out of the question but it's you know it doesn't seem immediately relevant for the purpose of this text yeah no that, no, that makes sense um do you want to keep going yeah, um, they they breed prolifically. They their gestational period is for is six months, so it's shorter than humans, and they reach full maturity in ten years. So again, that makes them worrying. That even if you win a big war against them, if you haven't wiped them out completely, they will recover a lot more quickly than human societies will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the Arakei possess speech, reason, and craft. So. They are intelligent and they do have minds and, as I say, speech and reason and craft. They can make things. They have languages. Why did you feel the need to say that? Because I think it's always really kind of stupid to have these totally evil races that, like, all they do is war and they don't make anything and they don't, you know, and they, I, I, I hate when Jesus. species across an entire planet only have one language. I, I, that always really annoys me. So God, Tell us what you really I, think, Bill. <laughs> I, I made a point of saying that they have languages, okay. though it is certain they do not share a common tongue. Okay. Um, and because, you know, they, they would. Like, you know, if it's, if it's a, a humanoid thing that can successfully wage war against humans, then it, w- it would have to have intelligence. It would have to, you know, understand things like tactics. And there's a lot of stuff in in older adventure fiction and fantasy and stuff that oh you know they have no minds or they're they're just crude beasts or whatever which is absurd i i think it's almost more terrifying though when they do have reason because then that implies that they have thought about their actions and have decided no mass murder is good for me i'm yeah. going to go with that whereas sure. if you've if you've something that just does it out of like like a virus or whatever like that's just kind of like oh that's what it does it's not terrifying mm-hmm. you know yeah absolutely so I agree with you on that. So, anyhow, plan forward. Um, humans on the edge of their realms are constantly raided for resources and slaves. So that's setting them up as a kind of, you know, an orc or a threat on the borders. Um, mm. a, a scary other. Um, it is known that in many areas, particularly deep within Arukei lands, human tribes live in subjugation, relatively safe from violence, uh, in return for farming their lands in tribute to the Arukei who do not themselves work the land or raise animals. So you couldn't have a huge um, a huge race like this really be sustainable in the long term um, that w- without just being outperformed by humans. Yeah. Um, they wouldn't have the numbers, etc. Um, like agriculturalists displaced hunter-gatherers because they just, in the long term, they produced better. Um or whatever. Uh, so I thought this was an interesting idea that they would have agriculture, but they wouldn't do it themselves. They would just enslave humans to do it for them. And see, this is where I thought it was you kind of like trying to logic out what it means to be an orc. Because like if they are this warlike race and they're just constantly at war, they're going to yeah. need to have farming as well. And then it's an interesting way of allowing the orcs to constantly be engaged in warfare, but also yeah. have all the other stuff. So that's why I was thinking about the um uh, not necessarily a twist but a, a kind of bringing reason to a standard fantasy race yeah i was like you know adding 
sort of economic and logistical thought to the to it. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. And I, I like that. I really like that. I think it's a really good idea. Thank um, you. And I think it's pretty cool because it's like you know, a sour man like has all the orcs do all the stuff, and yeah. it's kind of like all the orcs get all the humans to do stuff. It's like it's it's not ah. down the line. <laughs> I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> <laughs> it was really cool. Um, so yeah, anything anything else to add on that? Well, that's that's the first of what I've written. Um, this is uh, setting neutral for now. So um, this is not saying that the Aruke exist in Yanspar or in Handwavia. Um, they may. I may make the decision later. Um, or I may adapt elements of this for, for those settings. But it's just kind of neutral idea that I want to put out there. Um, and it's it's a thought I've had for a while, some of this, that the thing about the um, the atavistic presence in human bloodlines, I actually wrote a setting for a friend as a birthday present a few years ago, and that was one of the things I, I, I had in it, and it's been, a, it's been an idea I've been mulling over since then. Cool. Now, I have two questions. Go for it. Number one, mm-hmm. why orcs? Um, why not elves? Mm, I think because I, I have all those thoughts about like the idea of the evil fantasy race and it's always evil and how I think that's a bit daft and a, a bit kind of racialized and worrying in a lot of ways and so it's kind of more interesting to me for that for that reason to, to explore that so you find uh, elves don't really interest me all that much the other, the other ones don't really interest me all that much and you can always have like, there's lots of fantasy that doesn't have elf and dwarf analogs. There's not a huge number that don't have some kind of evil race. Yeah, that's true. So you find my the, the, the treatment of the evil race egregious, and this is your kind of, like... It can be, yeah, yeah. it can be. Okay, that makes sense. And then the other thing, the other question, um, the uh, ultimate question, is um, what's the flaw here? I kind of feel like... I, I want there to be a flaw in the orcs. Like, they seem like this, like, all-powerful, like, race. They're, you know, really good at war. Like, they can their numbers can get back to steady, steady population really easily. They can affect other people's bloodlines. They've subjugated all these people. It feels like they're just really perfect at doing that. Like, I feel like there should be some flaw, something that is, like, innately wrong with them like the way we humans like have this tendency to just like destroy our environment and things like yeah. that i feel like there should be something here for the orcs where the observer all animals could... do you what all animals do all animals do yeah but i specifically in relation to this i feel like there should be something that the observer observes about the orcs uh, or the arrow and maybe cites that as like a fatal flaw and or mm. something to be exploited, like if we're doing the thing where it's like an envoy or whatever. Um, I was well, missing stuff that they don't have. They don't have. They don't build. They don't farm. That's all. They all rely on th- their their subjugated races to do that for them. I mean, that just makes them seem like really good CEOs. <laughs> I mean that like semi seriously. It's kind of like there's that's another thing they are really class at, and it's well unless. It's stated in other bits of your writing that it seems from this like that's not caused a problem for them societally. Mm. So not much of a flaw. I don't know. I'm, 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 I want something to be like, they're actually all blind. <laughs> you know, something where it's kind of like, oh, okay, so they're not just like this immensely physical, physically amazing race that everything just kind of like, they're just evil and everything's like really perfectly evil, you know? 
Hmm. Hmm. They're probably not literate. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I suppose not being literate makes governing a bit difficult. They don't have a government, I'm assuming. So, I don't know. Humans don't have one government. Well, sorry. What I mean is they're more organized like, uh, almost like Mongols. Uh, in that they're Mongols like the government. Yeah. Okay. Let me try and get this right. Um, like as opposed to like a centralized state, like they will have smaller groups be more kind of like banded. Do you know? Almost like uh the barbarians around Rome, where it was like lots and lots and lots of really small little states everywhere, as opposed to like one giant massive like centralized infrastructure. They probably don't have bureaucratic infrastructure. No. Yes, that's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> that's, I'm sorry, that's exactly the word I'm looking for. They, yeah, they probably don't have that, which, which is, I guess, a flaw? Is it? I don't know. It's harder to... And well, it's not hard The barbarians to, sacked Rome. Yeah, but, well, <laughs> I mean, Rome sacked Rome, kind of, didn't it? Like, sure. It was kind of like Rome's fault. Um, okay. I don't know. Attila burned Baghdad. Yeah. You know, yeah. it's only a flaw if you're, if you're elevating certain cultural requirements over others. Yeah, that makes sense. The, but do you do you do you get what I mean by inbuilding this flaw? Or is that like lazy and too video gamey? It, it feels it feels a bit contrived to me. Okay. I, I'm not, like I, I'm not saying that I do want to make them super powerful or whatever. Obviously. That's that's not the case, and they are still mortal and everything. Um, but I feel like going out of my way to insert that they have a weakness to silver <laughs> would would feel a bit much. Okay, it would, no, that's, it would that's, feel it would feel a bit contrived to me. That makes perfect sense. That makes perfect sense. Um, mm. Yeah, I, I like it overall though. I I particularly like the like the justifying how their traits could exist in the in the real world. Like, mm-hmm. that I really, really enjoy. Because like, it makes me think about the race. I think it's really good. Um, cool. I have a tip before, in closing, I have a tip for next time. Yeah? Next time, could you write a piece of prose that isn't coming from an objectively awful person? This isn't coming from an objectively awful person, is it? Mm, oh, I'm getting slightly the impression that, well, he seems like an outsider, and it seems like everyone hates the orcs anyways. Um... It seems like they're a little bit racist towards the orcs. I don't know. Do you think all of my stuff has been written by objectively awful people? Yeah, man. You had twice the same envoy guy who was there to, like, like make a genocide happen. Okay, and who else? And this lad. The... Oh, uh, oh, yeah, and the guy who wrote the language manual. <laughs> oh, okay, the guy who wrote... <laughs> I forgot about him. <laughs> he was all right. I liked him. I liked him. Uh, and the guy who told people to wash their hands who told people to wash their hands when was the this thing about, my thing about plagues no I didn't write that specifically for the podcast but it, oh the the bit of prose I couldn't understand yeah <laughs> this is why it didn't register because I couldn't understand it Bill I joke I joke uh yeah, I don't know I kind of I kind of want to hear yeah okay the language one fair enough but I want to hear a story from like the orcs' point of view, um, from the people that are hated or <laughs> subjugated, I want to hear a story from their point of view. I want to hear what that little town thought of the envoy coming into it. Okay. Yeah. Just a thought. <laughs> no, that's 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 interesting. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll consider what I what I do for the next one. 
Okay, cool. Um, Jesus, speaking of which, really think about what we are going to do for next one. But hey, we'll do that. We'll do that off air. Shall we? Do you have anything further to add or shall we move into the green room? Uh, so I've been up to things, Edgar. Oh boy. That, that's either really good or really gruesome. I don't know. <laughs> it's good. Don't worry. <laughs> what you well, I went to Berlin at the weekend. Oh, what yeah. did you do in Berlin? Um, well, the... The first day, I uh, drank some beers by the River Spree beside the Berlin Wall. So that was really nice. Cool. And I walked around the kind of city centre area. I saw the Brandenburg Gate and I saw Checkpoint Charlie, which is the old passage between East and West Berlin. Mm-hmm. And so that was all pretty good. And the second day... We took a boat trip, um, but actually got in the wrong boat um, and ended up in a completely different part of Berlin than when we, where we intended to be. Um, but I also, we saw the um, Reichstag and we went up the Reichstag Dome. Cool. And that was pretty, that was pretty cool. And on the third day, I went to the Natural History Museum. There's always a museum billet. <laughs> It's, it's a thing that the, I do. Wherever you go in the world, there's always a story about Bill went to a museum. <laughs> That's accurate. That's accurate. <laughs> how, was, how was the museum? How did it pair up to all the rest of them? Edgar. Bill. I saw oh, so many dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, but unlike your experience with, I think it was the Natural History Museum in London, I, I believe. Yeah. Was it actually a good dinosaur exhibit? It was such a good dinosaur exhibit. <laughs> Congratulations, man. I seen a picture today on Reddit, man, where it was a skeleton of a T-Rex covered in flamingos. It was delightful. That's pretty cool. Just a total aside. Do you want to continue with your dinosaur story? <laughs> I think I saw 10 dinosaurs in total. Now, is that a lot for like a dinosaur exhibit? I've never been to one. Uh, yeah, it's a fair bit. Oh, Cool. I saw a brachiosaurus. A brachiosaurus. Um, it's which is the tallest uh, mount uh, skeleton, the tallest uh, mounted dinosaur fossil in the world. Ooh! It's like four stories high. It's huge. Huh? Yeah, and I saw an alaphrosaurus, okay. and a dysalatosaurus, and an allosaurus, which is pretty cool. Okay. And I also saw a. Uh, Genesia robusta, which is like a smaller brachiosaurus, and a kentrosaurus, which is like a stegosaurus. And oh, what's the, what's this one? I'm looking at my, my photos here now. Um, I saw a decrasiosaurus and the brachiosaurus, right? And that was pretty cool. Oh. And I saw an Archaeopteryx, which is like the 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 winged dinosaur, the one that had feathers. Oh my god, this is brilliant, Bill. <laughs> it is. It's just I get the image of like, like look, you cute little Bill in the museum. He's like, and 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 I saw this one, and and I saw that one, and then there was. Edgar, <laughs> you think that wasn't what I was like? <laughs> I just you, love- you know, you know how generally like low affect I am about lots of things, right? You know, I'm not. You know, as he said, I'm not very moved by a lot of stuff. I'm a pretty, pretty kind of level kind of guy you know I get angry when stuff doesn't work properly and things like that and I you know I like dogs 
but you know, and I laugh easily. But for the you know for the rest, I'm I'm a fairly low affect kind of dude, right? Oh yeah. Would you would you would you say that's a fair statement? I think that has there has never been a truer statement uttered ever, Bill. Okay, there's no need for sarcasm. <laughs> I walked I walked up the steps and I saw the Brachiosaurus and I literally gasped out loud, like really? a child. Yes. Really? Yes. But they're just bones, man. Man, you don't know how much I love dinosaurs. Apparently, <laughs> <laughs> I love the way it's like it's like you discover this about yourself. You're kind of like, I really. No, no, I like- knew how much I love dinosaurs. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I saw uh, the skull of a Paxophallosaurus, which okay. I will send you the photo of. I'm pretty sure it's actually just a dragon. It really looks like a dragon. And I saw a T-Rex. Um, okay. And that was just very cool. The T-Rex is called Tristan. Is Tristan the T-Rex? That's... Tristan's the name of the T-Rex, yeah. Okay. And it's cool. The fossil is black for some reason. It's like, it's like stained black or it's actually made of black stone or something. It was really cool. Uh, where are you sending me this picture? Oh, do you want me to send it to you now? Yeah, yeah, the dragon, yeah, yeah. Okay. And by uh, dragon, Bill means bird. No, Edgar, like, this This looks like a dragon. But they were all just giant overgrown birds, to be fair. Holy cow. What does that look like, Edgar? Like, okay, I'm not on board with the dinosaur thing. I don't find dinosaurs interesting in the slightest, but what? that is... Yeah, no, dinosaurs are really boring. <laughs> like... They're just big, giant dead things. Like <laughs> that's why I'm laughing so much. I can't believe you're driving so much enjoyment from dinosaurs. Like what? But this thing, like this is a dragon, right? Like this is like this is a legit like Skyrim dragon. That looks like a dragon from Skyrim. I know. Yeah, it's a Pachycephalosaurus. They say <laughs> clearly a dragon. Um, that's crazy. Huh. Ah, okay, I can get on board with dragons, not with dinosaurs. Sorry. Uh, so I think yeah, I think that was all of the all the dragons, like, all of the dinosaurs I saw. No, I I think it's great that you got to see dinosaurs and you drive drive from that. Don't mean to uh, be dismissive of your um, dinosaurphilia. Dinosaurphilia, dinosaur file. Mm. I assume so. Huh, there you go. Um, congratulations. Thank you, Edgar. So, uh, hold on, why again were you in Berlin? Like, you just told me what you did in Berlin. What what brought you to Berlin? Is it just a holiday? Just a holiday. I just went for the weekend with some friends. Cool. Very cool. Um, would you... Okay, how, how did Berlin compare to London in terms of, like, scale of city? Berlin's really big as well. And it kind of even has even less of a centre. Like, like, well... Maybe, I don't know, the centre, the kind of central area I, I think is smaller, but I haven't spent as much time in Berlin, so I can't say. It's less busy. Okay. Like, like London is really intense, it's really, really busy, really, really full of people. I found Berlin to be a bit more chill. Yeah, London's, London's just, it's just a nightmare. Like, I, I, I hate being in London, like, the times I've been there, it's just all go all the time, and people are really, yeah. like rushing like they'll just like if you fell over in a tube station people would walk right over you just to rush with their day and it's just like whoa yeah. chill everyone it's cool you're not going to get to work faster if you're a day just like whoa it's all good well you might but is it worth the stain on well, your mortal soul that's 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 a very valid point um so marks out 10 for Berlin. yes yes go that's that's high praise bill 
<laughs> go to Berlin, have fun. Now I didn't I didn't go this time, but the last time I went to the Pergamon Museum, which is has some of the coolest stuff I've ever seen in the museum. So that, if anyone who hasn't been to Berlin is thinking of going to Berlin, do it, and that's another place to visit. Um. Yeah, I've I've yet to be. Uh, which is kind of shocking. But you're German. Kind of shocking given my heritage. But yeah, I've yet to be in Berlin. I have. I do not think I have never been to any of the major cities in Germany. Really? Unless we're counting Dortmund as being a major city. I don't know if that's entirely true. Or Hanover. I've been to Hanover. I don't know if that's a major, but I haven't been to like Munich or Berlin and things like that. So um, Frankfurt. Frankfurt. Um, have I? I've been there nominally in the sense of a stopover. Um, on the subject of traveling, mm-hmm. I am going to Korea on the 1st. That's soon. Mm, yeah. Oh, dear. Uh, literally the day after work finishes, I, I'm on a plane. And, wow. And then, wait till you hear this crack, right? Uh, going to Korea. Whilst in Korea, going to Indonesia. Mm-hmm. And then, then going back to Korea. Because the captain's got like uh, her holiday, her annual holiday, so she's using as an uh, Indonesia trip, and I'm tagging along. And we go back to Korea, and then I go over to the States, and then I go back home. Cool. It's a hell of a summer. And what are you doing? Oh, you're going to see the eclipse, or the. Is it an eclipse? I am going to see and film the eclipse. While you're in the States. While I'm in the States, and also meet up with some friends that uh, I have never met before in the States. Um, in person. Internet friends. Internet friends. <laughs> Anywho, so uh, that traveling is that traveling corner done? I guess that's traveling corner done. So one final thing before we sign off mm-hmm. is that I and you, I imagine, need to thank the Patreons for being. We definitely do. Yeah, for being deadly, <laughs> and uh, we we met her first goal. Um, like within 24 hours, which is amazing. And people went above and beyond the Call of Duty and it was so cool. Um, so just really want to thank everyone who, who signed up to be a Patreon. Um, that's literally it. Just need to put it on that record that these guys are awesome. Yeah, we, we like so much support so quickly. Uh, we hit our stretch goal in like less than a day, less than 24 hours. And, um... Everyone's been super supportive, and yeah, uh, we're going to keep making good content for y'all. And if we don't, we're going to re-record. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the final thing... Now is, we have to, like... <laughs> now we have to re-record? What? No, like, like now, if we make a bad episode, we have to re-record, since, like, we're, like, crowdfunding it. Oh, I, sp- I felt Like, really- morally... I, I felt re- no I actually genuinely felt really bad morally for this one because kind of like this is the first one where the Patreon's going to kick in and I was like oh it really doesn't sound good it's not enjoyable listening to two of us argue at each other and get frustrated with one another so over like, an irrelevant tiny point that we were mutually just <laughs> incomprehending two guys lose it over calendars <laughs> um, but there's uh, one la- sorry one last point I need to say about the Patreon is that uh, people uh, left some once off donations like like bigger than what we were asking for um, I need to put on record for those people because there's been a slight bit of confusion um, you can do once off if you want that is entirely cool we're totally cool with that um, don't worry me and Bill got you covered uh, we will delete your uh, pledges or show you how to delete the pledge after you've 
done your one-off payment. So that's not a problem because we've received a few emails of people going like, oh my God, I can't afford to do this every month because they've left a kind of a bigger sum. And it's like, we got you covered. Don't worry. Mm -hmm. You will not be charged beyond what you want to do. That is like, would just be a hundred percent clear. And if there's any issues at all, you can always email the show and you know, you'll be top priority because obviously paying for it. Yeah. Um, and that is that. Thank you again, guys. Seriously, thank you so much. Um, for those who might be interested in in becoming Patreons, you can go over to patreon.com forward slash the Artifexian podcast and um, go go pledge some some moolah uh, if you got it spare. Yeah. Yeah? Okay. Is that us? I think that's us. And I think, I think- that was a good show. <laughs> I think that was a good show. We, uh, uh, my we, my file is still under two hours, so we're, we're bringing it home. We're, we're bringing br- it home in time. We're bringing it home. Okay, Bill, it was a pleasure speaking as always. Thank you so much for re-recording because that was me who called for re-recording. Um, Not at all. I will see you. I will see you next time. See you next time. Edgar out. Edgar out. They were beautiful, man. Beautiful. Okay. Should have baby on note.